formed. You may be seated. Tonight we're talking about the two supples, and I want you to think about which supple you will attend. Turn to Revelation 19, 6 through 21. Today we're going to take a look at the consummation, that's the coming together of the suppers of Revelation. The, the supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb, this is the one that we all want to attend. This is the one that you want to go to. And the, mar- and the great supper of God, or the judgment supper of God, they are presented in contrast in chapter 19. What supper are you going to attend? And you want to attend what supper? The marriage of the Lamb. So let's look at 19 verse 6. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, what? Hallelujah! For the Lord the, our God, the Almighty, reigns. The Old Testament background for this is David's psalm of thanks in First Chronicles 16, 8 through 37, especially verse 31 that says, Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice, and let them say among the nations, The Lord, what? Reigns. Hallelujah means praise God in Hebrew. Praise God. So why do we praise God? There are a lot of reasons, but this sentence has two reasons to praise God. First, we praise God because he is almighty. The theological term is omnipotent. Or omni, yeah, omnipotent. The implication of all-power God who is loving brings great comfort when we act on that truth. It means nothing if we don't think about it, if we don't believe it. But in, when we act on it and when we believe that the all-powerful God is moving and acting in our lives, and that brings great comfort. Second, we praise God because he what? He reigns. God does not have power, then check out. No, he's reigning now, and he'll reign into eternity. We can often be tempted to take care of issue with his reign, right, especially when when it is his timing. If I was God, I would have came back and fixed this broken world a long time ago, right? But he, in his perfect timing, will return. And then we also have uh, issue uh, when his judgment causes discomfort in our lives. How many here have gone through a trial? How many of you go through hard things? And oftentimes we're like, God, what are you doing, right? And the challenge then is to accept and praise him for his reign in our lives and in this world. Praise God for the almighty what? Reigns. Hallelujah. Verse 7 and 8 says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Buddy, that does not look comfortable. What is he doing? Sorry, my dog's tangled. (laughs) 
So in chapter 18, we're called to rejoice in the judgment, God's judgments. Here we're called to rejoice in the coming of the marriage supper of the Lamb and in his prepared bride with her righteous deeds. Now, I think it's a lot easier to rejoice in the marriage supper of the Lamb and that God has uh, prepared us for this relationship, but we're called to rejoice in both. The bride of Christ is the church and Israel. Paul uses the bride analogy in 2 Corinthians 11, 2. He writes, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to who? Jesus Christ. The idea is found in the Old Testament in Isaiah 61, 10. It says, I will rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a what? Bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and the bride adorns herself with jewels. And then Hosea 2.19 says, and God says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love, and in mercy. This idea of being the bride, the wife of God and Jesus. Jesus uses the wedding to talk about being... Uh, being ready or prepared for his coming in Matthew 25, 1 through 13 in the parable of the ten virgins. I don't have time to read that, but if you do, uh, it'd be good to read that back at home. It says there's the parable of the ten virgins, five are ready for the wedding, five are ready for him to come, and they go with him, and the other five, they're not ready. They miss his coming. And may we be the ones who are ready for his coming. And it's not hard to be ready. To be ready is to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You believe that, you begin to have a relationship with Jesus, and you are what? Ready. The, Jews, the Jewish marriage has three parts. Missed the slide. If we're going to understand all this marriage talk, we need to understand the Jewish marriage. The Jewish marriage has three parts. So the first part is the betrothal, in which the formal engagement was agreed upon, the bride price was paid, and the couple legally became husband and wife. Mary was what to Joseph? She was betrothed to Joseph. But she had not yet lived with him. She had not had sexual relationship with him, right? Right? So she was betrothed. That's the first part. We see that even in the gospel with Mary. We are betrothed to God, to Christ. This was done for us on the cross. We, the church, are betrothed to Jesus. All right, go. Did you click off of my thing? Maybe. There we go. Thank you, bud. Betrothed to Jesus. The coming of the bridegroom to the house. This is what Jesus is talking about with the brides trimming the, can the, the lamps and being ready, and he was delayed, but they weren't ready, right? So the coming of the bridegroom to the house of the bride with his friends to get the bride and take her to his home, right? So this is the second phase of a Jewish 
wedding marriage ceremony. So when they can be betrothed for a long time, and then the night of the wedding, or before the wedding feast begins, the bride comes, no, not the bride, sorry, the groom comes and gets his bride, okay? And so if we were to try to think through this in representing Christ's coming, this would represent Christ. Coming in the air for his church as seen in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Can you click on proclaim, bud, or is it just quit walking? Yeah, okay, I'll come look. Yeah, dude. So this would represents Christ's coming or returning in the air for his church as seen in Thessalonians 4.16. This is a term we, pract- we use a lot called the rapture, okay? So, and then uh, he returns in the air, grabs his church up, uh, and to the rapture, they go to heaven, and then there's the wedding banquet. The wedding banquet is what everybody's being invited to in the chapter that we're in tonight, Revelation uh, 19, uh, 6 through, uh, I think, 13 or whatever. The wedding began with the groom going to the bride's house to get her and bring her back to his house for the wedding banquet. The festivities continued for how long? A week or even longer. And so this would be Daniel's 70th week during the tribulation. Yet a challenge to this would be that those who are saved during the tribulation (laughs) would be late to the feast, so the analogy begins to break down. The exact timing is unknown, yet I think that the Jewish wedding ceremony, the process, gives a good guideline to Jesus' return, especially since Jesus chooses multiple times to use it as an analogy. The idea of the clothing being granted and Representing the righteous deeds of the saints reminds me of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved and through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not of war, a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. God has good works for you to be prepared. Those works that he has prepared for you that you choose to walk in, clothe you, and prepare you for the marriage supper of the Lamb. For the wedding that we all who confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead get to attend. 
This is a beautiful walking with the Trinity in this life to prepare us for an eternity as the wife of Christ. This image as Christ's wife is further developed in Revelation 21, which we will cover in a few weeks. And the angel said to me, verse 9, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Amen. Blessed, blessed. The idea of being happy because of receiving divine, excuse me, divine favor. All are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But sadly, not all come. This reminds me of the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22, 1 through 14, where the invitation was either ignored or the guests who came were not prepared. And may we be blessed and respond to the called and walk in the good deeds he has prepared to be our wedding garments. God has prepared the garments for you to wear. All you need to do is walk in relationship with him. Step into those clothing, those that identity. Verse 10, then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, whoa, whoa, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, John. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is easy to get off focus. Amazing things are happening all around John. And oftentimes, amazing things are happening around us and, and different movements. And, when we see, we, and then we see his confusion come into the midst of the awesome time of worship. He begins to get confused. John begins to worship the angel rather than God. And in many ways, he is confusing the gift with the giver. And I would challenge ourselves, oftentimes we get caught up in worshiping God's gifts, his good gifts that he's given us, rather than worshiping him. And we need to worship God. Don't worship angels. Don't pray to angels. Worship God. The angels does not receive the worship and makes it crystal clear that we, that they and we are servants of God. We are to worship God for Jesus is fulfilling God's promises. Verse 11. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Now we turn from the marriage supper of the Lamb to the great supper of God. Both of the, these suppers are kicked off with the coming of Jesus. His first coming is one of sacrifice, paying the bride price. His second coming is one of Judgment. John sees a white horse, which symbolizes purity and vindication of Jesus' judgment. Purity and vindication of Jesus' 
judgment. Who is Jesus? He is faithful and true. Forgot to silence my phone. He's the only one who can truly wage just war. There is war all over, and every one of the countries that are waging war feel justified in the war that they choose to wage. Jesus is the only one who can wage just war. Verse 12, his eyes are like the flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. The theme of judgment is continued in the image of his eyes, a flame of fire, for there is nothing hidden from his sight. The right to judge is demonstrated in his wearing diadems, which are crowns of rule and authority. The Old Testament background is Isaiah 62, 2 through 3. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Though he is revealing himself to all, he's still a mystery, for he is God. And who can know the depths of him except his spirit? He clothed him. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Some think this is his blood shed on the cross, with which took on the wrath of God. I think that it's the blood of the judgment, given the context of the passage, especially in right light of Revelation 4:19 through 20. And the coming up verse 1915. Also, the Old Testament background of Isaiah 63, 2 through 3, makes a strong case for it being the blood of the judged. Isaiah 63, 2 through 3 says, Why are you, is your apparel red and your garments like his who treads the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone from the people. No one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood splattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. His name is the Word of God. This brings us to mind John 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory of as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What an awesome God we serve. Verse 14, And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Who are these armies? Well, I believe it's actually two armies that it's being spoken of here. The first army is the host of heaven, which is an angelic army. 
So it is an angelic army is the army, and the references for that are listed there. If you want to read them, they, they are a little overwhelming. And you're welcome to take a look at those on your own time. The second army is all since Revelation 17, 14 puts us with him, coming with him as he conquers, wearing white clothing and riding white horses. We are with him, and we're wearing what? White clothing, pure clothing, white horses. And this makes it crystal clear that we share in the purity and the vindication with Christ. We share in his judgment. From his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword which with, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with the rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. There are two Old Testament background for the verse 15, and they are Isaiah 11, 3 through 4, and Isaiah 49, 2. And in his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, talking about the servant. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and the decision with iniquity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of, of his mouth, and the breath of his lips shall be, he shall kill, what? The wicked. He made my mouth, Isaiah 49, 2, like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made a polished arrow in me, a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. Jesus, the word of God, who spoke the world into existence, will bring judgment by the word of his mouth. Today, when you hear his word, do not harden your heart. For he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, worthy of all praise and glory. Will you choose today to say yes to Jesus, yes to what God is doing, to be part of the marriage supper of the Lamb? You are invited. You are welcome. Clothe yourself in the garments that he has provided to you, works that he has given you to do. Revelation 19, 17 through 18 says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free, slave, both small, and great. The Old Testament background is Ezekiel 39.4 and 39.17 through 20. It's the prophecy against Gog and Magog. And here it says in 39.4, You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your hordes and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to, to birds of prey of every sort and to beasts of the field to be devoured. As for you, son of man, says the Lord God, speak to the birds of every sort and to all the beasts of the field. Assemble and come, gather from all around to the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. A great sacrificial feast on the mountains of Israel, and you shall eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat flesh of the mighty and the, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and he goats, of bulls, all of them fat beasts of Bashan. 
and you shall eat fat till you are filled and drink blood till you are drunk at the sacrificial feast I am preparing for you. Verse 20, and you shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men and all kinds of oils, declares the Lord God. Not a feast that we want to be at. Veal writes, the invitation to come to the great supper of God is macabre, a macabre parody of the invitation to come to the supper of the Lamb's wedding. The connection between the two feasts is suggested by occurrence as of to the supper in both 1909 and 1917. The link implies, and I would say it does more than applies, it shows that judgment is but the other side of the coin of salvation. If you do not receive salvation, then you receive what? Judgment. So what supper will you be attending? Will you be feasting or will you be the meal? I pray that we all receive the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse 19 21. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who seated on the horses and against his army. And the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done signs by which he deceived all those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its name. These two were thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Verse 21. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was seated on the horse, and all the birds gorged with their flesh. Pretty dark. And God's judgments are true. God's judgments are faithful. And we say, Amen. There is an end to the wicked. Amen. There is an end to the wicked. Jesus is coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We have, have we responded to the invitation we all have received? He's all called all of us. Come, come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come, be betrothed to me. Receive me. Have we responded to that? And then are we walking in the good deeds that he has prepared before us. It's not hard to respond. It's easy to respond. You just confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be attending the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I look forward to seeing all of you there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've given each of us an invitation. And Lord, we pray that we would respond. And Lord, we thank you that you have granted to us good works to walk in, to clothe ourselves, to be ready for the invitation you give us. And to be ready for that marriage supper. We thank you that you are coming again and we look forward to that day. Come, Lord Jesus, come.